This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Questions podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC gig-powered studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions podcast. Do you smell it? Can you smell it, guys? Guys, smell it? football it's football in the air of course i'm close enough to the stadium where i can probably smell that or maybe it's brats i had brats for lunch brats and football kind of go together tim fitzgerald zach carlson ryan gilbert your trifecta of fun knowledge and stupidity but the stupidity is mostly on the overtime but once in a while we get to be stupid on this podcast too Usually not on purpose. We're sponsored by The Fridge. There's nothing stupid about The Fridge. In fact, it's brilliant. Don't be a dummy. Buy your beer, liquor, and fun stuff at The Fridge. The corner of this and that in the town in which we live. Sponsors of the uh, segments, of course, are Tanner's and the High-Low. I miss them. I want them soon. Someone just go to Tanner's, ask for Charlie, and say, hey, Fitz says hi. He misses you. That'd be good. Before we get started here, a reminder. If you're listening to this and not a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com, please consider subscribing right now because we're 50% off through the end of August for an annual subscription. Half price. Great deal. Hop on board. Best team in recruiting coverage you're going to find out there. We keep plugging away. We keep doing our thing, and we keep evolving and changing the way we cover the cats to make it the most relevant possible. 50% off until the end of August, celebrating 24-7's 10th anniversary covering college sports. I hope we have good questions, guys. I'm, I'm operating this week on like half a brain. Have you ever had those times when like you feel like things aren't firing quite right in your brain? And I can't remember anything, and I don't know, guys. It, maybe it's just old age. Maybe it's it's arrived. Not sure. Zach, you look really tired. I'm sorry. <laughs> maybe the NyQuil's still uh, Zach, affecting me. Zach's uh, stoned out of his mind on NyQuil, and uh, <laughs> as far as I know, Gills is not stoned on anything. But he is a college kid with a stash of Bud Light. Do you still have the stash of Bud Light, Gills? I do. I've only had a few of them. Man, alive. Look at all those Bud Lights. Do you, you just keep some in the little mini fridge and then cycle yeah. through? Yeah. And cool. I've got my Tanner's cap right here, too, so we're representing. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. We hope your questions are good stuff because we're going to dive into them right now with your questions from Wild Bass Station at GoPowerCat.com. Here's Ryan Gilbert. 
first question of the podcast from Files. I'd like to give him a big welcome back to the site. Well, Thank you for posting. Go ahead. Uh, my expectation for K-State is 6-4 and four or 7-3. and three. Is this realistic? Mine's 13-0. and oh. So you might be more realistic than me. You know, I've got him at 6-4. and four, And to be honest, as I went back, I'm like, ooh, ouch, ooh, ah. They're going to have to play well to get to 6-4. and four. You don't get those two extra free victories in the non-conference. I mean, six and four. If they win their non-conference, which they should, probably equates out to eight and four on a regular season. So, it kind of replicate what they did last year. I think it's certainly within the the realm of believability. But of course, this is a five road game conference season for K State, so that makes it a little more uphill than other programs. But I too am six and four. If they go seven and three, boys. Watch out. Chris Kleiman's got them rolling because their recruiting is really going to start piling up here for this program. Yeah, I think five and five is probably realistic. I think that that's, that's kind of what I expect. I'd be anything worse than five and five, anything worse than five and five is, you know, disappointing. And I think five and five, you're content or even happy that you know, you're able to make it through a shortened season. Uh, and one of the tougher seasons just based on the five road games Six and four, I think you're very happy, and seven and three, you'd be shocked, mm-hmm. quite frankly. I think it's going to be tough to get to that, but, I mean, anything above six and four, I mean, that's just gravy. Gills, thoughts? I think six and four and seven and three is pretty realistic. I think if we go five and five, I'd be I'd be disappointed with the team. That, that's just me. Hmm. I would take five and five right now, as I sit here, in mm-hmm. part Agreed. because that means we played ten games. True. <laughs> I want a full schedule. Uh, we'll see how that goes as, as we advance. It's going to get interesting as as uh, COVID cases erupt here and there and see how the Big 12 and NCAA football programs handle it. Next question from KM Wildcat. Who has the biggest year, statistically speaking, at each position for K-State, special teams excluded? We'll go down the line here. We'll start off with wide receiver. Oh, I think it's going to be Malik Knowles. I, I don't see – I mean, other guys will be involved, but he's the guy. I, I think he can do a little bit of everything. And, you know, if you're looking at just raw yardage, he can break the big plays. Um, and also he's good enough to, you know, be the reliable underneath guy if you need him to do that. I, um, I think the only guy that might challenge him on total yardage is Bradley Moore. I think, yeah, wide receiver, I think Malik Knowles is the answer. But I think he's so far ahead that whoever the number two guy, I think, you know, is going to be the have the bigger year, I guess, in my eyes, just being able to have a one, a good one-two punch. So is it Joaquin Gill? Is it Shabazzan Taylor? Is it Youngblood? You know, I think one of those three, whoever ends up being number two after Knowles would be my, you know, biggest player i guess for for wide receiver but i don't really have a good answer as to who that might be but if i had to guess i'd probably say gill just based on what coaches and other players are saying right now i feel like i have to pick gill right his last name oh yeah he's just short as z <laughs> from being you exactly. i'm, I'm betting no, the speed's comparable is the speed comparable oh yeah well i'm way faster than him but oh close. that jump yeah. yeah, I'm good to know. Let's uh, let's speed on to the next. What is it? Running back next? We're running back. Yes, sir. 
Man, I was just looking at the running backs before we started. It's it's really going to be a committee thing. I'm going to go with Harry Trotter. I think he's going to have a good season. Um, but I think it's going to be really balanced. I think they're going to really use four guys back there. But I think Trotter's going to have a, a really nice year. Yeah, I think that between the, the three main ones, Trotter, Wright, and Irvin, I think hot, hotter Harry Trotter. Uh, <laughs> I think he's going to be the starter. He's going to. I, I think that you're going to see a similar format to how the games go. Series one is going to be Trotter, like Gilbert was last year, and then either Wright or Irvin for series two and three, like Brown and Trotter were last year. Um, I think that that Trotter is going to have enough of those, you know, A level opportunities so to speak to to get the ball and be the first scorer be able to get the the first big play that i think that um he's going to be the one that racks up the the highest stats at running back i agree with what zach said nice that that's that's a solid plug-in right there yeah are these free or do these cost money to listen to i know that is just some, uh, they should be big money hard-hitting analysis analysis right there hey, back here <laughs> Okay, well, Tight end. I'm going to go. Uh, passing yardage will be Skylar Thompson. I just want to get that. Wow. I, I just want to get that out of the way. Uh, tight end Bradley Moore is going to be huge this year. Just huge. Um, yeah. And we'll have some more on that later at GoParacat.com. Why I'm saying that. I'll go Leonard's. I think Leonard's will have. A, every year we've been waiting and waiting. Nick Leonard's is good. He's never busted through the ceiling i guess how health he's been, been expected a to a lot of it's been health if he stays healthy this year you know if he catches balls that are thrown to him i think that nick Leonard's is going to finally have his breakout year and he'll be above bradley moore but i think having both of them i mean it doesn't really matter which one does well if one of them does well or the other one does well i think k-state fans are going to be happy i mean they're both good players yeah. both exciting players and perhaps you might get Bradley Moore for another season. So interesting. I know. You know, <laughs> I, I'm going to go Leonard's, but you can't go wrong with either. I think I'll go Bradley Moore. They need the tight end to step up. I mean, they need this to be a big part of the offense. It was kind of a missing part last year. They tried to throw to the tight end, but they just couldn't ever get anything reliable going between not being explosive at the position and having some drops, critical drops. I mean, go back to the start of the Liberty Bowl, critical drop, just bang, right out of the gate, right in the numbers, drop. So they can't have that. And if they get uh, the tight end integrated better into the offense than they were capable of doing last year, I think the tight ends are going to have a really nice year. Cornerback? I think A.J. Parker is going to have a really, really good year. Really good year. I, I think – we saw the difference in him last year with his coaching staff, how he thrived. And, and I just think A.J. is uh, – he might be a hair too small for the NFL, but he's going to prove this year that he's a real baller and he's going to be kind of a shutdown corner. At least I'm hopeful of that. Well, if we're talking small, Duke Shelley was also pretty small. Yeah, it's true. You know? And he's on the Bears. The Bears. So, the Bears. Uh, yeah, I probably agree with you, Fitz. A.J. Parker, you know. Hopefully he's completely healthy coming off that injury. Um, I think that he'll be the one. You know, he'll be one of those 
those big stars in the backfield for, for K state or in the secondary, excuse me, not the backfield secondary. I agree with Zach and Fitz. Oh my God. You are just trying to get along with us. Aren't you? You don't want to disagree. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm on a rampage. (laughs) I'm not on a rampage. I don't want to mess with grumpy. Zach is real. (laughs) I don't even know that he's grumpy. I think he's just like, uh, like I have a resting B face. Well, he's kind of, (laughs) he feels like someone shot him with a trank dart and now he's just waking up. It's kind of groggy. Zach. Safety. Who's going to be the best safety? I love Jerron McPherson. I, I'm just going to go with my heart on this one. I hope it's him. I hope he has a really big year. Kind of breaks out into the type of player everyone thinks he can be. I don't Don't even know. Don't you mean J-Mac? Oh, yeah. (laughs) J-Mac. J-Mac. Nobody calls him Jerron. Yeah, I'll probably go with Wayne Jones. Um, You know, experienced after last year coming back. I think he'll probably have, you know, He'll be one of those that has a, a decent year, um, you know, improvement year in his sophomore season. Linebacker. I'm just rooting for Justin Hughes. I just I, – I, I want this kid to have a big season. I don't see him coming back for a seventh season. I mean oh, – That's it, no fun. It'd be kind of fun if both <laughs> he and Elijah came back for seventh seasons next year and started working on their doctorate. And then instead of going to the league, they just became professors. Professors of football. How's that? <laughs> I mean, it'd be cool to see both of them come back. I mean, if they have a good season this year, or, you know, they want, still feel they have more to prove next year. Um, you know, it'd, it'd be great to see him. I think just based on the recency and Justin Hughes, you know, coming back after, a, uh, you know, a year off, more than a year off for him. I think that probably Sullivan's going to have the better stat numbers just based on that. But I really do hope that Justin Hughes has a has a great year. Hate to do this, but I agree with both of you. Maybe we should let you go first and then we can just agree with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make Fitz read the questions. <laughs> do we get any more positions like punter or... No, he excluded the special teams. Long snapper, defensive end, sacks. Is sacks up? No. Yeah, there was no D line. Oh my God, we're good. How about sacks? We can all agree on that. Uh, how about sacks? I'm going with Khalid Duke. That's right. I'll go Wyatt Hubert. That's I'll, I'll take bit. the flagship guy. Yeah, but yeah, take, I think he's going to get double teamed, triple teamed. I think everyone's going to be focused on Wyatt Hubert. They're going to try to shut him down, shut him down, shut him down, and. And forget about Khalid Duke over there. And uh, I'm hearing he's going to be a handful, a handful. So, I don't know. I, you're probably right with Wyatt Hubert. But um, I, I feel like I want to take the gamble here on Khalid Duke. Which one of us do you agree with, Gills? I agree with Zach. Man, what a traitor. That was my answer before Zach even said anything, though. Okay. Yeah, you're probably smart. In this case, is that it for that question? That's it for that one. Nah, man, I wish we had more. That was fun. Let's move on. Next question from Purple Powerhouse Is this the year Sebastian Taylor becomes one of K State's top receiving threats? I mean, can you imagine if Taylor, Youngblood, Gill, and Knowles took a couple steps forward? That's the kind of thing that makes fans drool. Drool aside, I hope so. I mean, K State could really 
use a big target like that. I mean, he's just got everything there except an understanding of what he's supposed to be doing from play to play. And maybe he's getting there. I don't know. Let's hope he is because, boy, having a big target like that that can make can get deep is just a weapon Kansas State hasn't seen in a very long time. I mean, I'd say right now of the four receivers listed, he's probably the fourth option. Would you say Fitz? Could be. If, if Youngblood's progress has accurately been noted that he's getting there very quickly. And the same with Gill, too, I guess. I mean, they've the coaches have been talking about Gill, you know, a decent amount, too. I mean, they've talked about Chebashian as well. But if, if Chebashian Taylor improves how we expect him to improve, and that's in comparison to the other three, I mean, the wide receiver room could be a monster this year. Yeah. And with Skylar Thompson, if if he, you know, improves the areas of his game, you know, and he's deserved the criticism, you know, in the past of of improvements that he needs to make. If he takes care of those and he took care of those in the offseason, it could be a very dangerous passing game for K-State this year. Next question from Purple Powerhouse. What would you see as the running back depth chart and will K-State improve rushing production with what they have or will they really miss the senior transfers from last year? Yeah, those two guys, Gilbert and Brown, were really good. Sounds like a circus, Gilbert and Brown. Maybe maybe something to do with Broadway. A production by Gilbert and Brown. Anyhow, I just went off the rails. Um, uh, I think uh, they'll just be solid. I'm looking forward to Wright and Irvin in their second year, really their first year because what they did last year didn't count towards eligibility. And, and neither will this year. Yeah, it's crazy. It's <laughs> crazy, man. Um, Tyler Burns, people are, you know, kind of putting him in the mix. So I, I don't think he's had the kind of pop that you want at running back, which is a little bit surprising because he kind of came in no, known for his speed. But I think uh, football's taking his toll on him. <clears throat> uh, and, you know, maybe someone like Deuce Vaughn comes in and throws in enough numbers to really boost that. I. I think we're just going to see a revolving door at running back. And so the numbers as a whole might add up. They might have a really nice year, but even though I think Trotter might be the leader, it may not be that significant of a number as the leading running back. I think that, yes, they'll miss Gilbert and Brown to an extent, but, I mean, I think the game plan, I think, is going to be the same going forward. You know, you're going to have three main guys, and they each get a series to start the game. And, you know, they'll pretty much rotate through that the rest of the game. They might give Harry Trotter, you know, preference. He'll be the starter, would be my guess. Um, And he'll probably get the bulk of the carries, you know, if it comes down to it. Um, But you get a lot. I mean, Jacardia Wright and Joe Irvin, they both showed some flashes, some great flashes last year. And they were the number four and five guys, you know, add in Deuce Vaughn. I mean, with what they showed last year, and if they're replacing, you know, the two, I don't want to call Gilbert or Brown amazing players, but they were solid. They they came in, they played the role that they were asked to play, and they did it well. And can Wright and Irvin replace that level of production? You know, one of them is essentially replacing Trotter. Trotter has to replace, you know, Bra- uh, Gilbert a little bit, but can they live up to what they're expected to do? And I think they can. 
And if you're comparing it to last year, I think that, you know, this year they, they'll probably match it. And then going forward in the future, throw in Deuce Vaughn, I think that the running back room is looking great for the next few years. Next question from Files. On a scale of 1 to 10, what's your confidence level on Skyler being a top three quarterback in the Big 12 this fall? Uh, seven. I think he's going to have a – maybe eight. I think he's going to have a big year. I'm confident in Skyler's wow. made progress. Um, and I'm not confident in some of the other quarterbacks. I want to see um, how everyone performs over the long haul. Skyler will have his down games, and he'll have some really good games. That's probably what bugs people. That's probably what bugs people the most about Skyler is the fact that he he didn't have that kind of consistency. You see him really struggle in some games, and other games you're like, wow, this guy's terrific. Uh, and even in the course of a game, he'll be awful, and then all of a sudden he starts making throws like he did at the end of the Liberty Bowl. So, but I think Skyler overall, I think he's undervalued. He's underappreciated both inside the K-State tent and outside the K-State tent. Um, is he a terrific quarterback? No, not yet. Does he have the capability? Yeah, he has the capability of being a pretty damn good quarterback, and we'll see if that happens this year. I'd probably go four or five. I'm not really confident, hopeful, but, um, you know, Spencer Rattler, Sam Ellinger, you know, those are top two. There's essentially only one. There's one slot available for eight quarterbacks when you break it down. And there's still a lot of guys in the conference that, you know, we're probably at the very least level with Skyler right now. So I think that that trying to put him in the top three, I don't feel confident, but I, I would say that there's room for him to be there. Absolutely. I think it's possible. Like I mentioned with the wide receivers, you know, if the wide receivers step up their game, they need a quarterback to throw them the ball for them to perform well. So if, if he gets help from the wide receivers, I think Skyler can look really good, but I don't know how he's going to compare to the rest of the conference. And I think a lot of that, if K-State's winning games, you know, kind of by default, he'll kind of move up into that top three. But we'll just kind of have to wait and see. But at least right now, I would not feel very confident. I'd probably put it about a five. On a scale of one to ten, it's probably like a one or a two. I'm not a big Skyler fan. And around the Big 12, I mean, I think there's a lot better quarterbacks. So I'm not too confident with them. But you guys are being so optimistic about all these players yet you think they're going to be five and five. That's not really adding up. Like I think K-State can be pretty good this year, but that doesn't, that doesn't make much sense to me. I'm curious why you think there's going to be so many good players, but then their record's going to be 500. And if they shatter that, then you'd be really satisfied. Well, I didn't pick five and five. I picked six and four, which is okay. Sorry. To what I guess they that had. was a question for Zach. Yeah. Had last year. I mean, I think there's still a lot of question marks. I think it's okay to be optimistic, but when it's all said and done at the end of the year, you know, five and five is very adequate. I mean, just take into the pandemic, take into the, you know, who knows if games are going to get canceled, mm -hmm. who knows what's going to happen the rest of this year. Um, I think that if you're able to take five and five just right now and not even play a season or just, you know, you're guaranteed a season, I think it's, it's kind of safe. It might be a cop out, but you know, at, at the very least you, you didn't go three and you know, three and seven or two and eight, you know, uh, there's, there's still a lot of moving parts, I guess. I mean, it, it's okay to be optimistic at, at positions, but all those positions have to be in sync together to get wins. So, you know, I think the chances of them, you know, 
individual positions, you know, being successful might be higher, but it doesn't mean that all of them are going to sync together uh, and result in wins at the end of the day. I guess what might temper my expectations for Skyler is how that offensive line comes because Skyler doesn't like pressure. He, you know, he kind of gets a little overloaded by too many guys moving around him. So, I mean, if that offensive line struggles, it could really derail Skyler. So I think that's just a factor to keep an eye on. Um, you know, I look back at last year's team that went 8-5. and five. That's a great first season under Chris Kleiman. But I can honestly say I didn't think that team was that good. They were just knew how to win games. Uh, they had a great game against Oklahoma, which I think, you know, probably – dramatically changed everyone's outlook on that team because not only does it mean they won eight instead of seven, but they knocked off the big boy in the process. So I think they'll be pretty good. I mean, I, I'm I'm not optimistic on running backs. I think Harry Trotter will be better than last year, but I'm not sure the production will quite be there. It'd have to be by committee. I think the O-line won't be as good, uh, at least in the early going. And I think they've got I've got concerns about defensive tackle, no, no matter how much they want to talk about the, some of the guys that have stepped up. The collection of the parts is going to be pretty good, just like last year, but I don't think this will be an overwhelming team. They're, they're not there yet. They don't have enough depth. They don't have enough playmakers across the board. Next question from Infected Testicle. Which players would you like to see stay an extra year? Well, Hughes and Sullivan. Yeah, I would love it. I would love it. <laughs> a law firm of Hughes and Sullivan, especially laying down the law. The, if their hair started <laughs> getting gray in it, it'd be great. Um, I, you know, I haven't really looked at this because this is something I'm going to look at. I'm going to go pick my, you know, guys that would most likely benefit from it. But you know, probably one of those defensive guys who hasn't really had his opportunity to play as much is as they would like to, and maybe are just coming into their own. Maybe a defensive tackle will be in there. Maybe J-Mac. Um, so I, I, it's going to be fascinating to me to see how many guys actually do this. Football takes a toll on your body. And if you have any dreams of playing at the next level, even if that's Canada, you know, even if you just want to go play professionally somewhere, you're not going to stick around. You know, you, you, you've only got so many years in your body. So, um I would think it's going to take the right guy who says, yeah, I'm going to stick around and get my master's. I'm not going to really play football after this, so let's get a master's degree and, and move on to life. But I'm, I'm going to go take a deep dive into those guys that might be the most likely to return. And no, I don't think it's Skylar Thompson. I don't know. Um, it'd definitely be nice to have Skylar in the quarterback room, you know, with two young guys with Jake Rubley and Will Howard coming in. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think you'd – want Skylar Thompson taking reps away from one of those two guys when they're the future. Um, but I think, you know, it'd be nice to have his presence, you know, it'd be, I don't know, have a player, player, student coach type thing, you know, but if you're sticking around to play football for a sixth or even seventh season, you're going to want those reps. You know, if you're going to put in the work to play, you're going to want to be playing. And at some point, you know, you got to play the young guys. Um, but you know, I'd love to see Hughes and Sullivan come back for a seventh season just for the sake of them playing for an eternity. You know, I, I, I would, I really want to see, you know, across college football, who, who's going to have the most years of eligibility next season or how many years have, has it been since they've graduated high school? 
man, over the next few years, you might see some eight, nine season type of guys, which is completely unheard of, you know? So I think it'd be really interesting to see, you know, what, how that might shape out. Next question from Wildcat Pilot 88. If Skyler returns for an additional season under the proposed NCAA allowance, would the keys to the offense still be in his, his hands by default? Or would Will Hauer and Jake Rubley provide enough competition to make things interesting? Well, they love Skyler, but I don't think they're just going to hand him the job. I mean, I think he'd have to continue to to earn it to keep it. I don't think this is going to be a question. I don't. I think Skyler wants to play at the next level, or he's going to get on to coaching or whatever he wants to do. So, I just I don't see this scenario happening. But um, he he would start off the best quarterback. You know, if he stays healthy this year, well, that's something. I mean, maybe he gets banged up this year and hardly plays. But then if Howard steps on the field and looks good, same question. Would he come back and face that? I don't know. I, I'm Hopefully he has a big season and, and then just kind of moves on to the next phase of his life. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think he would be given the keys next year by default. I mean – I think he'd ha- either have to get injured or just have an absolutely terrible season this year for him if he came back next year to actually have to compete for the starting job, at least for the first game. And maybe that's another thing. Maybe he does start, you know, of the first few games or plays here and there. Um, but I mean, I, it kind of depends on what Skyler wants to do. Does he want to help, you know, groom these next two guys and make them great players? You know, it just, you know, it's probably going to be a conversation between him and, and Coach Kleiman to see, you know, what's best for, for Skyler and what's best for the program. And if, you know, if there's a, a scenario where him coming back, um, you know, helps the program and helps help Skyler himself, I mean, I think he'll come back. But I don't think that there's really going to be a competition next year if everything goes to plan this year and Skyler wants to come back. Last question of the first half from I Like Pickles Cat. Who starts more games for the Cats, Will Howard or Jake Rubley? Oh, over their career? Wow. Wow. Boy, that, you talk, you're asking me something that's impossible to know. Um, I guess I'll go with Will Howard because he's got the leg up because he's a year older. Maybe he can hold him off. I mean, I guess odds on would be him, but it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I agree with you, Fitz. I think that him having the extra year being in, I mean, he came in over the winter. Like he came, he graduated high school a semester early and was here already. We've already talked to him once. Um, you know, I think him being able to, you know, the, yes, spring spring got canceled, but even him being able to get equated, you know, with the offense, you know, with an, you know, an extra few months early, I think that'll pay dividends into the future. This is something else I'm going to dig into, but this ruling by the NCAA causes an interesting bubble in the middle of programs because if players use their waiver, let's say all these true freshmen decide, you know, they'll, they'll get a waiver. It won't be automatic. They can use their waiver, but let's say they all do say, yeah, I want my year back. Sure. That would put the classes of 20 and 21 in the same class because this season didn't happen. They would still be true freshmen next year. And you'd have like 30, 35 guys in that class. It would technically be the same eligibility of the two quarterbacks, which is interesting in itself. But imagine having 30 scholarships out of your 85 tied up into one class 
over the next four years, five years. It it causes a real issue. How many 22 recruits will they be able to sign when they have to revert back, knowing they have to revert back in a, in a year after the, the senior that next year's – this year's seniors can – bump up the scholarship count, say 10 guys come back, they get 95. But that's over after one year. It's just going to cause a real problem. Then eventually those guys graduate and you've got a huge drop in scholarship numbers. It's just a mess. But, yeah, if if Will Howard decides to use his waiver and come back next year as a true freshman, you've got two true freshmen, high-profile quarterbacks paired together in terms of eligibility. But Howard would have the big leg up in terms of experience at this level. Another thing to think about is, I mean, I know Jake Rooley, he moved to Iowa, but let's say Iowa finally decides, hey, we're not going to play high school football this year. You know, I mean, it could be, and if college football goes ahead and say Jake Rooley doesn't get to play at all, I mean, that's an extra year between, you know, football seasons yeah. for for Howard and Rooley. So, you know, I think the fact that, it's a, it's another thing where Will Howard coming in early is could pay off for him. That's it for the first half of the Powercat Questions podcast. It was a little bit long. I even cut it, folks. That's how long-winded we were. But I hope it was good because we're going to do it again right after this break. Stay locked in. The Powercat podcast will be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig-powered studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions podcast. Reminder, 50% off a subscription to Go PowerCat right now until the end of August. Do it. I know you've been waiting. I know you've hesitated. I know you've wondered. We're taking it to the next level. It's been really fun watching how... The, the kind of evolution and coverage we're beginning to offer now as we kind of back up and reevaluate how we do things, and I think you're going to like what you see. Even more recruiting than ever at GoPowerCat.com. It's the name you can trust in K-State sports coverage. Tim Fitzgerald, Ryan Gilbert, Zach Carlson. As we take your questions from Wabash Station, and we're sponsored by The Fridge, get into The Fridge, and if you're in Aggieville, stop into Tanner's and Hilo and drink some of their alcohol. Where do they get it? From the fridge. That's where they get it from. That's where. Let's move on. Gills, speak. First question of the second half from Ohio Power Cat. Which season ticket package would you choose? The three-game package with Arkansas State, Oklahoma State, and Texas Tech, or the two-game package with KU and Texas? Where would you be would recommend sitting? Given what the, the Chiefs are doing with the season ticket prices, do you think the K-State prices are reasonable? A lot of questions there. I'd probably choose the three-game package. Mm-hmm. More football games. Doesn't matter who's playing. I mean, yes, I, I get that Texas is probably the flagship game of the season, but it also comes with KU. And yes, that's a rivalry game, but that's probably the outside of Arkansas State, the least 
favorable game to go to. And you'd probably want to go to the Arkansas State game because that's the first game of the season and probably the most likely game to be played at this point. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't want to say that it's unlikely to play other games, but just it's the first one. You know, try getting as many games in person under the belt is what I'd say. Plus, the first two games are in that first package. So that's the one I would take. Man, I don't know anything about pricing. I never buy tickets. I'll let other people judge that. But, yeah, it's, I think they did a good job, the three and the two, because the two are pretty tempting. I mean, you always love to watch them beat the snot out of, of KU, and you love to watch them play Texas. One of my things with the Texas game is it's the last game of the season, and frankly, I'm a wimp. I don't want to sit in the cold. Maybe it'll be a 50-degree December day, but it could be a zero-degree December day, and I'm not tough enough to do that. I was, I'm was i a press box baby. I like it up there, 72 degrees, and I won't even be there this year. So I guess I'm kind of with Zach in the fact that I'm itching for football, and buying season tickets and then not getting to go to the first game would be difficult. would be really difficult. Although I think some people are going to be able to get all five games if they're willing to pay because I'm hearing a lot of people are just opting out, just deciding, let's not do it this year. And another thing is the, the ticket packages, they're priced the same. So a midfield ticket, and it looks like there's four zones here. I think it's going to be GA. At least that's what I thought that I read somewhere on Wabash or someone said. But, you know, midfield, it's going to be $360. Red zone, $300. End zone, $225. And then upper deck is $150. So divide that by three, and that's your ticket price per game for the first package. Divide it by two, and that's your ticket price per game for the second package, which also one of those games is on December 5th. So I think the better value, if you're going to pay full price, is going to be that first that first ticket package with three games in it. But yeah, it's if you're comparing it comparing it to the Chiefs, um, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 could, I wasn't able to find Chiefs ticket prices, but the way they're doing it, it seems as if you're a season ticket holder for 2020, all of the money you've paid has been sent to 2021. And then for 2020, you will have the opportunity to buy tickets. And I think that those are priced a lot higher than what you would have been paying in the first place. I mean, it probably would have been nice to see K-State just individualize the games and say, hey, here's what you're going to pay for this game, this game, this game. You know, they could change the prices on on what they wanted. Um, But I think that, I I don't know how many tickets K-State sold. I mean, if they're going to sell out, they made the, the right call. But I, I feel like with the Chiefs, they did the smart thing, you know, saying, hey, our supply is now a quarter less. The ticket price is going to be this much more to make up our, our loss there for having, you know, less tickets. So, I mean, from an economic standpoint, if you can find your equilibrium on supply and demand, you know, that's and you price it right, you should be fine. Gills, as a student, if you could get a ticket, would you go? Uh, yeah. I would. I mean, it's an interesting question because it's reality for you because we are all outlets are limited to two seats in the press box. So we're going to have to make big decisions. I'm already out. I'm I'm just not going to put myself in that situation with my health. But, you know, we got a number of guys that can go. Um, But, yeah, it's I'll be very, very 
fascinated to see how many students are actually in the stadium come game day. Gene Taylor said they'll be honored. The you know number of tickets that they sold in the spring will be honored. You know those students will be there, but at the cost of higher ticket prices for donors, that seems interesting. I don't know. We'll see how this all plays out. Next question from Wildcat Pilot eighty eight. Will single-game tickets make it to the second-hand market? Yeah, I think so. I'm going to be interested to see how they can do that because isn't everything digital? Yeah, I mean, you can transfer a ticket. I know. Yeah, uh, but that's, there's also, that's there's, what students there's, do. That's a, there's also ways to prevent that. So um, I haven't really studied up on that. I, I'm sure they will, but I'm not sure the secondary market's going to be that good. Yeah, I mean, the prices are probably going to be a lot higher. I mean, I looked at last night, Sporting KC had their first game back in Kansas City open to fans. I think they had like 2,500 tickets available. But I looked at the secondary market, and these are like $200 a piece for these tickets, you know, when they normally be 40, 50 bucks, you know, max. And Sporting KC got shellacked last night, which I'd, I'd feel bad for the people that paid a ton of money to go watch that game. Weren't they playing but, someone not very good last night? Yeah, they played Houston. I mean, Sporting KC is the, the best team in the West right now, and they played Houston. I don't know what Houston is in the standings, but Sporting KC's only lost like two games in MLS play this year, so it's kind of a I kind of a shame. Houston was winless in their last five heading into this game. How's that for wow. soccer knowledge? Wow, Fitz dropping knowledge on soccer here. Yeah. Totally wrong, <laughs> and maybe. But- yeah, I think tickets will probably be pretty pricey if you find them on StubHub or SeatGeek or wherever. You might be able to find someone up with someone with a finger up at the games, but you know, I wonder what parking lot access is going to be like. Are they going to make sure the number of people coming to the the parking lot have tickets? You know, it, you know, there's a lot to think about. I guess if if uh, if there's no tailgating, if they're going to limit the number of people just hanging out in the parking lots as well. Next question from Email Wildcat 82 Will Big 12 games end up being broadcast more on other networks since the Big 10 and Pac-12 are not playing? Uh, no, I mean... Yeah, I'd love to see a Big 12 game on the Big 10 network. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you no. Know, I mean, people... Uh, ESPN owns the rights to Big 12, and they're going to show them. I mean, Fox is a big loser here. They own rights to both Pac-12 and Big 10. They just took it in the shorts. Unless ESPN wants to sell some games to them, which is possible, I guess. I don't know why they would, though. They've got a, the market cornered on college football, at least Power 5 college football. Will Fox jump in and try to televise some Conference USA or, you know, Sunbelt games? American? I'll be interesting if they do, but I think even American might have an ESPN contract. This is going to be such a strange year. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the Big 12 did a nice job of diversifying their television coverage. I mean, they have both ESPN and Fox as partners. So I don't think that Big 12 games are necessarily going to go, you know, change where they're played. You might see less games on ESPN+. Plus. Then again, you might see more games on ESPN+, Plus if, if you're not going to split up games. But theoretically, it should provide for more, quote-unquote, flagship time you know time windows and networks that you could play on um you know 
you'd have to see, but I think that the, you know, if the PAC 12 loses, you know, yes. I mean, really you lose an entire nine o'clock time slot for ESPN losing the PAC 12 and even the mountain West there's, I mean, there's not going to be a lot of late games. So you, you kind of lose an entire well time window there. So are they going to try? Yeah. You bring up, are they going to try, are they going to try playing nine o'clock games in the central time zone is, you know, the next question and maybe they do it. The only, the only one I can think of, um, Oklahoma state and Tulsa tried playing a game at nine o'clock. And when I was a freshman at Oklahoma state and there were storms in the area and the game didn't, didn't get kicked off until midnight. So they played from midnight to three in the morning, early Sunday on FSN or, or something, which was kind of crazy, but will Will these networks try opening up these time slots? Are we going to have Big Twelve after dark? I, <laughs> we they, may just we might we may we may have it. They won't go to nine, I don't think, but they might try eight. They might try an eight p.m. Yeah. kickoff with a Big Twelve game, and that gets to be pretty interesting. Um, that's pretty late in these areas, but it's these games are going to kind of be like the NBA is right now. They're they're showing them when they have to show them because availability, and uh, maybe they do, man. Limited crowds becomes a television spectacle, you know, particularly if it's a short travel game like Baylor TCU, where neither team is going to have to fly very far. What the hell? They might do it. I mean, maybe we see a 10 a.m. Marshall game. You know, something, something wild like that. I mean, if if you're going to try extending the schedule or your time windows, you know, if you're going to try playing an eight o'clock. Big 12 game. I mean, you might have to play a 10 o'clock Big 12 game as well or something else just to try giving yourselves four windows across, you know, 12 hours of, of playtime. All I know is coming out of college game day, I'm going to really miss Illinois Rutgers watching like three plays and going, I can't do this. I can't. I got to go. I got to change. I got to change. Next question from WCAT. What are the long-term impacts to K-State if the Big 12 makes it through a season and the Pac-12 and Big 10 don't play football this fall? I think it really damages the other conferences more than it helps the ones that do play. Although just by damaging the value of the Big 10 and Pac-12 could really help Kansas State because if it's damaged a lot, if you're a school that is really displeased with the decision to not play football, you may look at realignment. You may look at the Big 12. All of a sudden, the Big 12 looks a lot better because they're forging ahead. Although Bob Bullsby keeps tapping the brake, but you know, I understand you know, a sense of caution. Just don't need to say it every time. I, you know, I think they do have an opening here if they're bold, and I don't think they are. I think they just kind of forged ahead here out of just almost accident. They, they just decided to go ahead and play. Uh, I, Arizona, Arizona State, Nebraska, you had that great thread on Wabash Station, Zach. What three teams did you poach? And I never put my two cents in, but those would be the three schools. I would I would try to get Nebraska not, back and Arizona and Arizona State. Not Colorado State? I'd love Colorado State. I really would, but I don't think that in a 12-team conference, if that's what you're looking for, if you're – you know, in this yeah. scenario, moving West Virginia into the ACC or something. I mean, you end up with really nice conferences or divisions. I mean, you put the Arizona schools in with Texas, and then you've got the six remaining Big Eight schools. There you go. You got two divisions right there. 
if that's where you want to be. But um, that'd be a damn good conference, too. What you see, and kind of on the Colorado State point, this is kind of crazy. Is it's actually realistic to think about poaching Nebraska, Iowa, the Arizona schools? I mean, this is even Arkansas, you know, gets thrown into the picture. There's five Power Five schools that are close to the Big 12's footprint. And if you can find West Virginia, put them in a nice home out east um, and, you know, let them live the rest of their, their life out there. Um, you know, it's crazy that there's these decent schools that are realistic possibilities for the Big 12. You wouldn't think about the Big 12 being able to poach Big 10 teams before they decided not to play. And then you have these schools that are like, hey, we still want to play and we're going to play whoever. We don't really care what the conference says. Who knows what's still going on behind the scenes up in the Big Ten. But back to the Colorado State point, you know, even before, before COVID, you could consider them as a decent prospect to add if you're going to expand, you know, close to the footprint. Uh, they just built a brand new stadium that's really nice, three years old. You know, they'd kind of be that TCU-level team as far as stadium, you know, they're, they're a land-grant university. They're obviously a bigger bigger school from a student population and just a general population. Um, but now, you know, you don't even talk about them because there's an actual possibility here that these teams from these other conferences that maybe are or aren't playing may be happier somewhere else. You know, the other school that if we're going to put them into the mix, Utah, they're the most Big 12-like school um, in terms of fan base, I think. And they have, you know, a smaller stadium, but people pack it, they're rabid about it. Um, you know, interesting TV markets. So uh, I think the Big 12 is in a really strong position. Arkansas would move only for one reason. They're tired of getting their teeth kicked in. And money is great, but getting paid money to get your ass kicked every year because they're in a, an impossible division, and they just happen to be the school that can't get off the mat. They're pinned to the mat right now, and no matter what they do, they can't get up. So I think they become a realistic possibility. And I am a believer that I know how they believe 10 shares is a good cut. It's a good way to make up the difference. But if you add the right teams with the right time zones, the right games, you're going to get a massive contract. You just are. If you can add Arizona, if you can add more Western schools in, Nebraska, Arkansas, any of those schools, you're going to get a contract that rivals the Big Ten. Maybe not SEC, but Big Ten current. And I think the Big Ten's in trouble, guys. I, I know it's an academic conference first, and you always have to keep that in mind that the presidents want to stay in because of academics, which is stupid to me because this is the only reason it exists is it's an athletic conference. And the academics get involved. You know, Nebraska's faculty voted like 9 to 1, 8 to 2, whatever, to stay in the, the Big Ten. Um, but at the end of the day, it's an athletic conference. And if you're unhappy about the damage the Big Ten did to your program this year, if you're Iowa, if you're Nebraska, Minnesota, you know, any of these teams on the western area of that, and the Big 12 says, hey, come here, let's talk, you probably should sit down and listen at least. Next question from Get Out More Cat. Is the Big Ten imploding? Does Ohio State start kicking out schools of their conference? How many days does that commission have left? The successful conference commissioners have to be terrible people like Delaney. 
will the Big 12 brass even notice before schools start moving? Well, this, this is interesting because we're talking things from a Big 12 perspective. There's a whole nother narrative out east about the ACC trying to peel off Penn State, which would be a better geographical fit for Penn State and maybe bring back Maryland. Uh, I don't know. They, they might have the same feelings about Maryland that the Big 12 does about Missouri. You know, you, you try to damage the conference by jumping, you can, you can stick with that. I think there's real displeasure with the Big Ten, other than the fact that it's financially good, and other than the fact that it's academically powerful. I, I think there's a feeling that the Big Ten is bloated, that they've watered down traditional rivalries, and that even newcomers like Penn State, which was the you know the earliest of the conference changes, maybe don't fit as well. And if you're Penn State, you got to look at this and say, hold on, if we were in the ACC, we'd probably be in the title game against Clemson every year, right? You know, as we sit here right now, <clears throat> with a chance to go to the playoff. And right now, we can't even get to the title game because of our division in the Big Ten. People want to win. The money is great, but you want to win. And if you can go to another Power Five conference and win more than you are now, the money doesn't seem that big a deal all of a sudden if you're playing for a national title or you're in the playoffs. Seems pretty good. The Big 12 has been the accordion, kind of being the connective tissue here that can get torn apart, pulled apart at any moment. But all of a sudden, the Big Ten's feeling like that. And it's kind of nice to have that for someone else, particularly if if one school does it. If Nebraska says, you know what, you guys, you're not as great as you think you are. Well, others do the same. Maybe not to the Big 12, but maybe others do the same. And maybe if you're Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, those core teams of the Big Ten, you're like, fine, let's go back to what we were. Let's let's go back to who we were before we invited in four new programs into a 10-team conference. We'll be the 10-team conference. It's going to be very fascinating. COVID-19, the coronavirus, has changed the landscape of realignment. If there's going to be a realignment, everything we thought we knew just changed because losing $100 million because your conference didn't play is not something that goes away, probably financially or in your head. You guys weren't committed to football and you didn't play when everyone else could. Next question from Files. Can we put an official permanent Kibosh, is that correct, Zach? Kibosh. 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 On Nebraska coming back to the Big 12. I, you know, I, we, we've always said it would happen, that it did come begging back. But, boy, this sped up that process. They're, they're certainly interested. and They have always been interested. They've known from day one this was a stupid idea. They don't fit in the Big Ten. They're the marginal fringe school that everyone looks down on as hayseeds. We said that would happen. It has happened. And now they're openly admitting, hey, you know what? They think we're the marginal hayseeds, and we don't like it. We're in mighty, mighty Nebraska, not some just school out here in the sticks. So I think it's finally gotten to the point where they're admitting it's so bad that they're willing to come back with their head drooped down and say, can we come back? Because that's it was about pride. They don't want to admit they were wrong. But now this has made it obvious they were wrong. And I, 
until their president says we're absolutely never going back to the Big 12, we're not going to discuss it. We're in the Big 10 for academics. Suck at athletics. I'm going to believe that there's a chance they come back. Yeah, I think there's always going to be a chance. I think that <laughs> I think that Nebraska, I mean, just the fact that they left and they can say it was for academics, you know, all they want, and maybe that that's helped them. I don't see how that has helped them. If you're, if your athletics is supposed to be a marketing arm of your school uh, for your academics, if you're getting your teeth kicked in in the Big Ten, who cares what, what the academics are if you if you're not doing what you're you're trying to market there? So, yeah, I think they they'll always come back to the Big Twelve until somebody comes out and says we'll never do it. But it'd be interesting to see if the Big Twelve, if they put any, any conditions on them coming back, it's like, hey, you're going to lose ten percent compared to the rest of the rest of the conference for X amount of times. You're not going to get your full share for for this much time since you left us. You know, it'd be interesting to see what kind of conditions they'd put on them. I know that West Virginia and TCU they didn't get their full shares for it was quite a while. I think they had at least a couple, you know, maybe two or three seasons where they didn't get a full share, but it'd be interesting to see what kind of conditions would be put on Nebraska if they, if they did come back. None. No, I don't think they'd put it. Say, you don't think they would? They'd say, come back. You're welcome. Full share right out the door. If you're going to get Arizona, Arizona State, Nebraska, full share. You know, we're not messing around here. Keep your third tier right. You want to set up the Husker Network so you can, you know, broadcast it over Antenna TV, which is still popular in Nebraska here. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think they would. Now, Colorado State, yeah, probably, you know, they'd have to buy their way in. Utah, maybe probably have to buy their way in 50% shares. Big-time schools, you know, Power 5, traditional Power 5 schools, Arizona, Arizona State, Arkansas, Iowa, Nebraska, come on in. You're full shares. Let's go. Let's play. A couple of recruiting questions to finish out the podcast. First one is from Contra Cat. How do you feel about the recent commitments added to the board over the last couple of weeks? You know, we keep thinking they got to be about done, particularly now with the limitations with coronavirus and how many they can actually add if you're going to have scholarship issues in the problem. But in the future, if you're going to have scholarship problems in the future, so we'll see. But I'm fascinated by Crew Jackson, uh, six foot five safety. There's just something about that that is unbelievable to me. Um, and I think, you know, this was a little bit of surprise, but that's a nice, nice pickup. I love it. You know, we just had a VIP story by Ryan Wallace documenting the improvement in recruiting K-State seeing under Chris Kleiman's staff, and it's notable. Yeah, they might still be three-star recruits out there, but they're better. They're more highly recruited by other Power 5 programs than we've seen in recent history, it's kind of fun. It, this is a lot of fun. Maybe they're not done. It seems like they've got a couple of the guys are still zeroed in on, but scholarships going to get tight because eventually you have to pay the bill on the number of scholarships you are adding in here and, and then trying to get a 22 class put together also. I think it's, it's fascinating to see. And I, I Wally texted this to us in, in our group chat, the number of guys that K state are is getting that have multiple offers from power five schools compared right now, how many commits they're getting compared to what they had in the last like three years of Snyder. I mean, Kleiman is blowing this out of the water and Wally put it out there. 
this, you know, it kind of reminds everyone, uh, or well, us, this is Prince level recruiting with Snyder level coaching and it's kind of meshing together and you're getting kind of this Snyder 1.0 feel. You are. Another thing we should probably mention is North Dakota, Atlanta, Georgia, Arizona. Those are the last three recruits. Yeah. That's that's very interesting that they're that broadly appealing, uh, you know, across the landscape. Last question of the podcast from I Like Pickles Cat. Should we be concerned about not having a 2021 basketball commitment, or are we still frozen in March in regards to recruiting? Uh, Gills, this is all you, brother. Are you concerned about it? I am not concerned. Uh, I don't think that they're really frozen at all since March. Um, you know, Southwell's been really big on the recruiting trail. He's definitely just hit the ground running and he's making a big impact. Um, you know, Coach Lowry's doing what he does. Um, I would expect CJ Nolan to commit to K State here in a matter of, a matter of days or weeks. Um, September 1st, he's dropping his top seven. K State will be in there. Um, it's not, you know, a guarantee. It's not a given, but I think with his father being a wildcat, all signs are pointing towards him becoming a wildcat here in a week or two. So I'm not concerned at all. Um, they're doing fine. They're busy on the recruiting trail. They're still giving out offers. You know, they're keeping in contact with those players. So I think they're doing a great job and there's not something that they really need to be too concerned about. Brilliant. See, you just saved up all of the knowledge for, one little nuclear bomb you dropped at the end. And under that mushroom cloud, we sign off. That's it for this podcast. Gil's just wrapped us up with some basketball knowledge. Follow basketball and football recruiting at Go Powercat. Our staff is uh, just crushing it, crushing it right now as we continue to cover the Cats. Come football or not, we will be there covering K-State sports. That's what we've always done. We'll continue to do it. And we'll be back on Friday with the overtime because I want to get stupid. You've been listening to the Power Cat Questions podcast presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Power Cat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.